Welcome to Have Some Style. My name is Moshe Lundstrom-Halbert. I'm a fashion journalist and style expert, and I believe that what you wear is self-care. This brand new show discusses all matters of personal style and helps you find yours. So forget trends, lose the logos, burn the chinos, and break the damn rules. Let's experiment and evolve. It's time to wear the clothes and not the other way around. I want to inspire you to explore what makes you feel like your truest self, because authenticity never goes out of style. If you're looking for a show that tells you to buy something to be relevant or that what you currently own and love is trash, there's a new trend that you must hop on every week, this is certainly not that. I believe that we are drawn to people who have a natural and innate ability to listen to their instincts, follow their gut, stay curious, and dress accordingly. After all, we're inundated with media and messaging these days that it's causing what I view as a homogenization in the way many of us dress. So together, let's take a step back and get very intentional with what we wear, how we present, how we show up in the world, and the energy we send out via our fashion. So if that interests you, please go ahead and follow and subscribe to the show. We'll continue on this journey together. It's without further ado that I welcome our guest on this week's episode, Katie Storino. Katie is a body positivity advocate, and we are going to get into exactly what that means. She's also an author and the co-founder of Megababe, which is a uber popular personal care and beauty product line carried in retailers such as Ulta and Target quite well-known and beloved for their natural deodorants. I personally use their rosy pits, their thigh chafing stick to prevent thigh chafe from that inner thigh rub that so many of us get regardless of our size. I also wanted to say, I'm sorry, I kind of messed up with my mic here uh, for the actual interview component. So while Katie is crystal clear, which is really the important part because she is my guest, I, on the other hand, didn't have my proper mic connected, so I'm not as high-quality audio as I'd like to be. So my apologies for that. I am working on getting that together and being a little bit more buttoned up in that department. But I also wanted to point out that Katie has a brilliant book out that she released in 2021 called Body Talk. And we get into that as well. And also her popular series on social media, hashtag make my size and hashtag supersize the look where she emulates the style of real pop cultural figures, be it Kate Middleton, Jessica Chastain, and shows that regardless of your size and shape, you can pull this off as well. All you need are the right pieces and the right attitude. And speaking of like showing your body and conversations around body, when do you think you first had, was it an aha moment where you first thought, you know what, I feel like my voice is needed in this conversation around body acceptance or was it a more gradual discovery? No, there was nothing gradual about it. Um, I, I Hmm. was... I was featured in like a how to how to dress for a curvy body article. I pitched it myself. It didn't just happen to me. You know, I'm I'm a former publicist, so that's just always the way that my brain works. And when that article came out, uh, first of all, I was so uncomfortable taking the photos for it, but but I got over it. And when that article came out, and I saw women who were like, "Whoa, I've never seen your." Like, I've never seen a body that looks like mine on a fashion blog. This is 2014. So the conversation, you know, Ashley Graham had not been on um, Sports Illustrated cover. The The conversation had not really started yet. So reading those comments and and realizing that there were more than just size two women out there that were looking to get dressed and, and wanted to you know, read fashion magazines and feel stylish. I realized in that moment that my body was not the problem and that it was somehow up to me to help other women realize that too. It hit me like a, like a lightning bolt. Right. And was this at a time, like when the article came out, I imagine there wasn't 
was it online? Was there a comment section? Yes, that's, what, that was it. Yes, that was it. It was the comment section of this article because I just, I, I just couldn't believe that there were other women who were my size that wanted to wear fashionable clothes and that I didn't look like a grotesque, you know, figure up there that they were like, you look great. And I was like, I look great because I'm not I don't look like the models that are on this website. I don't look like the rest of the people on this website. But you think I look great. And that really just opened my my mind up. And until that point, had you received positive reinforcement about your body or about what you could represent no, at any no, time? No positive reinforcement. Just uh, it was it was that was the first time I realized that I didn't have to change my body to look good in clothes. And that I and that it wasn't it right. wasn't a temporary body I was in. Um, because I think that I existed for 33 years in a body that I just was waiting to change. Uh, I just, I kept thinking that, well, I mean, when I lose weight, I'll like, I'll look really good in this type of outfit or, you know, when I lose weight, I'm going to buy this type of thing. Or like that was, that was my, my dialogue about my body. It was not it just was that I was in this weird temporary body and that eventually I would have a different body. And did that affect the way that you would dress and show up in the world? Like I'm thinking, you know, about certain things that you might have wanted to wear but thought I should wait or do I really want to invest in this if I'm on this journey where I'm trying to change my body? Yeah. Um, I, I had never worn jean shorts. I just thought jean shorts were for thin people, not for me. Um, I, I was self-conscious. I, I was self-conscious about mini skirts. I mean, really short ones, except in college during my 12 inch juicy terry cloth orange, uh, moment when I really got, I got bold and I wore that, I wore the shit out of that 12 inch skirt. Um, but I, I really, uh, yeah, I had a. I think I had a lot of restrictions about what could look good on me. Huh. It's interesting to think about that because during those times, I remember feeling bigger in high school, and I remember feeling like I wanted to lose weight always, and the things that go along with that. But I did wear. I did wear those styles. I don't know. Yeah, it's it, it's really, it's interesting when you think back. Like even while you were talking, I just made me remember of Juicy Couture because that was such a moment. I had moved to LA right at the height of that Juicy moment when every cover of Us Weekly had like Jessica Simpson and Lindsay Lohan and Nicole Richie and um, these women that were, you know, being glorified for weight loss, essentially. Um, And uh, I had a a larger man who I was working with at the time in the entertainment industry as a manager sit me down and tell me, you know, I was like 20 years old or something that I needed to lose weight. And you never forget those moments. Mm. And if I look back at it now, that whole year where I lived in LA, I only wore black. I didn't wear any more of like the colorful, fun LA clothes that I thought I would be wearing there because I was like, I just, I, I don't, I, I now feel like I'm trying to look as small as possible. And that's often why people do wear black, especially at different sizes, because they want to disappear and l- look thinner. I mean, I love black now, but that is often why it's worn, right? Black for style, not black for camouflage, camouflaging. I, I Yeah, I, I agree. It's so interesting, too, because um, I think women assume that I think bigger women assume that smaller women never have those moments of shame. And that's something I realized with my platform uh, when I was hearing from women of all sizes that I was, you know, I was a size 14, 16, 18. I was giving a size four confidence to wear a tank top. So it's, it's interesting just how mental and how ingrained this stuff is for us how much we have to unravel and it's all it's all relative yeah. right like i i might be considered thin by like the standards of the average north american woman but by hollywood standards sure. at the time scarlett johansson was considered curvaceous that was the 
standard for like a fuller figured yeah. woman. Which is which is so crazy. Which is just Yeah. Beyond. Yeah. Beyond. I'm glad things have started to um to change a bit. What would you how would you describe your relationship with your body today? And I say relationship because it, it really is like we have our physical body and then our what goes on in our brain. Um, it's kind of like two separate people sometimes in that dialogue that goes on between. What is your relationship with your body like today? My relationship with my body is pretty neutral and I've worked really hard to get it that way. Like I feel, I don't know, I wear the things that inspire me and that I want to wear. If something doesn't fit, I'm disappointed, but not because of me, but because it didn't work out. I think that's a huge change. Like not not trying something on and then and then saying, oh my God, this doesn't fit, or I had to go up a size. I'm gonna I'm gonna go do something extreme to um to try to make it right. So I think I feel comfortable today where I am. I think something that's really started to shift for me is the concept of and and I know it's a simple concept and I know that people say this stuff a lot and you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like I exercise for my mental health and for my my you know physical well-being um, and not to fit into a certain size jeans. But I really am still working like to embrace physical activity in a different way. And that is something I'm still correcting in my brain. So not saying, well, I'm going to work out extra hard because I'm going out to eat tonight or something like that. Like really trying to to change that mindset. And I don't think that I'm, I am fully there yet. And I think that that's okay to say. What are some things that you do for your body that make you, make you feel good? Well, I have just, I have just skin. gotten back into lifting weights. So important for women. Yeah. Right. Cause I'm like, why am I so weak? <laughs> like, when did this happen? It's something that it's something that all the walking, you know, that you can walk all you want and do the do the stuff. But there's something about lifting weights that just like, for my body, like just really perks me up. It just makes me feel aligned and strong and capable in a way that like, I really need more than I know, I guess. Yeah. And I think the same thing can apply to fashion too. When it's like, instead of it's what we were talking about with exercise, instead of being like, what should I yeah. do? What should I wear? What should I eat? Like what, how hard should I work out? It's like, what is my body wanting right mm -hmm. now? Literally like to, in terms of movement, but also in terms of what we're wearing, like what does my body want on it right yes. now? What color is it craving? What material is it craving? How much stretch is it craving or is it, you know, sometimes you even want to feel like really held in and constricted by your clothing yeah. as well. Like I find that trying to have that dialogue with myself um, can be really helpful. Do you find that as well? Yeah, I do. Um, I think, I think I don't have as conscious of a, of a conversation about it, but there's something, what is it? The, the joy checking from, it was a huge craze, like four <laughs> years ago. Marie Kondo. Oh, Marie yes. Kondo. You mean like, yeah, um, it sparked yes, joy. Yes, yes, yes. So I, I think that I employ that same type of like gut uh, gut check on an outfit. So I walk in and like the first thing that I'm like, oh, that's kind of what I go with. Also, because you live in different places too and you travel a lot. Do you find like, I personally find that I kind of like – play different characters when I'm in different places. Oh, yeah. A lot with my style. Like I it's morph fun. a little bit. Yes. It yes, I think it's so fun. I'm I'm already so I was in Palm Beach for the for the winter and I'm like Palm Beach Barbie. I'm really getting my Palm Beach vibe down and figuring it out. And then I'm gonna be in Maine for the summer and I'm like fully LL Bean. Like I'm just I'm getting my costume. It is it's almost like a costume. And then when I'm in New York, I get to wear my special fashion clothes that don't make sense in either of those places. No, I was just in Iceland 
just the way people dress there, it's all about, well, you need to be practical with the weather, obviously, but then it's literally about like wearing whatever you like together, but not if those pieces even go together. <laughs> like there's kind of that work factor. And I was like, this is so refreshing because I'm used to, you know, more putting together looks, really thinking about things head to toe. And there it's kind of like, you don't even need to look in the mirror. You just grab things you like and throw them on and then But go. end up looking so cool. I think. Yeah. As a result, you end up looking cooler because it's less contrived. Yes. Maybe my main vibe needs to be more Scandi and less like literal. Maybe you need a touch of like Copenhagen yeah. in there. This is, this is, the, I'm really, <laughs> thank you. What's your vibe in Miami? Can I ask? Oh, it's a little, well, I live in one of those buildings with a fancy lobby. And so I do feel like I need to dress for the front desk staff sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like they're counting on me. Um, but it's funny because sometimes, I don't know, I'm a little bit of a uh, contrarian where when I see something happening a lot around me, I want to reject it yeah. a little bit. So I see a lot of logos around here oh. and a lot of kind of what I would call like performative fashion where people are just like spelling out the alphabet and designer logos head to toe. Um, and I think it's, it's really made me think just about what that says about the person. Cause I'm kind of like, is this a sign of insecurity in a way that you're needing to sort of sandwich board to me, you know, status symbols of like wealth or what is going on here. But then there's the other aspect where it's like, well, a lot of these people are probably, you know, aren't originally from America. There's a lot of different yeah. cultures in my neighborhood. They've come here, they've made something for themselves in America and they want to show it. So mm -hmm. who am I to poo poo them at the same time? That's so an interesting I don't know, angle. as a result. Yeah. So I don't, I, I kind of just lean into more of a Scarface vibe, like in Elvira. <laughs> Love a pastel suit moment. Oh, that's great. And just kind of like pared down and subtle, but put together. Yeah. I understand. Is, is more my vibe here. And then when I'm in LA, I just like feel very inspired by the hiking culture there. Really? Um, so I'm yeah. Oh, what is that vibe? Please tell me because maybe I need to bring this into my main vibe too. Well, you were one of the people that got me thinking about bike shorts because I was like, I didn't wear bike shorts and I thought they were really wrong and only for the Kardashians and Princess Diana for years. And then I started, I, I would see on your page that you would post like any size can wear a bike short. And I started realizing, you know what? Bike shorts are kind of great. They're great. Um, because they're very comfortable. They make you feel a bit cute and they allow you to get some sun on your legs. Okay. Um, so I, a lot of my looks are kind of bike short, Princess Diana, but with a hiking bent inspired when I'm in LA. And there's something nice about that like proportion of a short on the bottom and then maybe something bigger on top, a nice big sweatshirt and then jewelry. Oh, you know what? I miss that on jewelry. Glasses. Yeah, that's good. That's good to... That is good to remember because I feel like I leave my jewelry behind when I'm in that kind of look and then it can go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the secret. You need to just dress yeah. it up with like lots of accessories. Yeah. I know you are an accessory lover. You always wear fantastic bags and I love all your headbands and headpieces you do always you? wear. Okay. I, I would like to put a pin. I I, well, I'd like to ask you. Do you think I've made headbands like my like a thing that is be have I transcended a trend and it's kind of just a thing that I'm I'm known for now or am I am I I can't pronounce the word chuggy chuggy yeah yeah <laughs> I don't think so I mean first of all you don't I think it's more chuggy if you were wearing like the same headband every okay. day do you know what I mean or in a Blair Waldorf kind of Upper East Side way. And I don't get that from you. Like I get more of that like English, London, eccentric vibe. I'll take that. With your use of pieces. Thank you. But tell me about like why that, because that does stick out for me as like one of your style signatures. 
when I think of your of your style. Why did that develop and be something that you were into? It just feels like an exclamation point on your outfit. It just I I think it it totally it draws yes it draw it does it's it's just like an added piece of fun. And I'm not a belt person. I'm also not a shoe person. Like I have really big feet. I know I've. I, okay. I don't oh I love shoes but I have um I have really wide feet so I don't fit into like cool designer shoes so I'm not used to like when Birkenstocks came in style I was like this is my time um but mm-hmm. I I uh, <laughs> as my friend Ryan put it he had not seen me in something other than a croc in over a year and he was like I think you need to like get a shoe and so I did some fancy shoe shopping this spring and I I ended up getting those stupid Hermes shoes, the slides, the, the classic ones for yes. my Palm Beach Barbie yeah. life. Essential. <laughs> and, and then um, I I actually fit into a, the Christian Dior, um, like the, they're almost like a Tiva style. And they're leopard and they have a Velcro option. And so I can kind of put the Velcro on the last part and it fits my foot. And I I feel like those are my um, my non-croc shoes that I've brought to the table. I know the exact ones you're talking about. I've eyeballed them at Saks many a time. They're super lightweight. The leopard print is perfection. And who doesn't love a comfort sandal that feels very fashionable? I think that's such a wardrobe staple to have and you'll get so much wear out of it. So I bet those look great on you. Yeah. And I'd love, I would love to hear what you think about that. I know this isn't like a personal shopping consultation, but I I have so many questions for you. No, about no. Them. Any questions? Go um, ahead. I, so I know when luxury belt bags came on the mar- on the scene, like five, was that five years ago? I was shocked the only one I could fit into was Gucci and I had to add an extra hole. And I mean, this was, this is a, this was a person with money to spend at the shopping counters and I couldn't buy one because they were made for a 24 inch waist. I, I'm not sure what, what was happening there, but they were so small. And then crossbody bags are my other, my other thing. If you're tall or you have a big chest or whatever, and you try to put a crossbody bag on that is not is not meant for your size, it's like a little football that lives in the middle of your back. Oh, yeah. And the worst is when the strap is too short and it's like digging into one boob and it's just this terribly unflattering proportion. Oh, sure. Yes. Yeah. I don't know about you, Katie, but bags, for me, I want them to be something beautiful, something fun that encapsulates my style, but they also need to serve a main purpose, which is carrying my stuff and allowing me to carry all the other things that I usually have in my hands, you know, all the accoutrement and my dog and my coffee and all those things. So I just need my bag to be able to go over a shoulder or across my body and work and not get in the way and do its job. Have you found any brands or bags that have really worked for you? Yes. This is why I got very into the the wallet on a chain from Chanel because I I had always thought of I I I hope you have a lot of fashion snobs listening to your podcast and not people who are going to be upset. <laughs> That I'm talking this way. Oh, yeah, totally. It's fair game to discuss everything style here. No judgment. I always thought of the Chanel bag as kind of the 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 bag that like, you know, rich girls got for their 14th birthday. It's um, I didn't think it would or like an entry level price point bag. I didn't think it was a bag that I ever wanted to carry. But actually, I found that it's the longest length that they make and I can fit my phone and I and carrying coffee, carrying my phone, carrying my dog, carrying everything. I feel like that has become the bag that I use the most because it just has all my con my stuff in it and I can be hands-free and like do my do my stuff without worrying about it. And it's not falling over. There's a flap. It's it has a snap like closure so it's not like open and spilling out. I don't know. 
Oh, I mean, Chanel is a get out of jail free card. Their bags are so desirable it's for true. a reason. It's true. You know, I think sometimes even when brands big or small are well-intentioned, they could use some direct feedback from women such as yourself. Perfect example is uh, I remember when I first introduced you to my brand Thermacota and you had a look at our styles and gave me some amazing feedback right off the bat. Um, we pride ourselves in offering a wide size range and being able to make custom coats to fit all different sizes and shapes. And in our standard sizing, we had a size called Grand, which was our version of an XL plus. And, but we also were thinking like, there are some people that just want to wear something super oversized and have it be this, you know, massive, almost like Balenciaga-esque shape on them, kind of avant-garde. And um, that perhaps instead of calling that extra large, we should call that grand. I think the idea was like making a grand entrance. That's how we thought about it, at least. And you pointed out to me, you were like, no, don't call it grand. That's kind of like demeaning. That might make people feel like you're talking down to them. Like, oh, you're grand or we're treating you specially. No, just call it XL. Let's just be clear and concise and neutral about how we speak to people of all shapes and sizes. And that was a real, that was a real educational moment for me. And we did end up changing our size listing for that. Thanks to you, Katie. Yes, because I'm I've learned so I've learned so much over s- 6 years that like even the little even the ways I mean this is a bit of a tangent but the ways that women greet each other, oh you look so good, you're so like did you, like did you lose weight? Like, oh you're thin. Like these types of small interactions that we have, oh it's so flattering on you. Um, I guess I just started to notice how charged these small moments were and I've really worked hard to try to take the meaning out of small moments and that has made a big change for me. Oh, Katie, I totally relate to this. I think we all do. I think we've all been in these moments where we'll receive some like random unsolicited kind of awkward feedback in the form of a backhanded compliment literally sometimes on our body. I recently received one where I was at a work dinner for my husband and somebody came up to us across the room and said, Moshe, I recognize that ass. That's how I knew it was you guys. And (laughs) so you're like, why are, why are you noticing my butt in particular? Like, what does that mean? I was really caught off guard. It was in front of his boss. And I was like, what does that even you recognize me by my ass. That's my like distinguishing characteristic to you. And P.S. I'm self-aware enough to know what my distinguishing features are. It's more my boobs. It's not my ass. What are you doing looking at my ass and then commenting on it like that? Like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) It's really hard. It's really hard. So in in a moment like that, it's like you almost just have to be like, huh, and move on because making it awkward in front of a group can have more of a negative effect and then pulling that one person aside if they're close enough to you even to to say something is an option but if they're not close to you you're not going to make it weird and be like Linda what do you think what do you mean by that um because i feel like that's it's too confrontational with not enough good payout in my opinion however i am um, I am I am confronted with that kind of stuff. Um, oh, did you lose weight? Like that kind of stuff. People say that to me all the time. I don't know why they say that to me, but they do say it to me straight like, you know, strangers, people who work in my build, like that kind of thing. I, I so I usually I just ignore it. I don't engage in it. Um, and that's how I handle it with strangers. But people in my life uh, who know what I do for a living it's not necessarily about me. What I have to deal with is the way they talk about their bodies. And they're like, they're like, like, I'm so, I'm so fat today. I look like shit, like blah, 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 talking about themselves. And then I have to come in and I will confront them because there's someone in my life who I care about and who I'm like, do we need to have a conversation? Like, do you need to read my book? Like, do we need to talk? Because I won't accept that kind of behavior from people who are close to me. 
nor should you. And that's why your book is so important. It came out last year, 2021, Body Talk, and it really is all about how we have to cut it, stop right now with the self-degradation of our physical being. Our it's it's toxic to be around and it can often become a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you keep voicing those negative words about yourself, you're not manifesting the person that you want to be. In fact, you're just holding yourself back and making yourself feel worse and worse. In my book, Body Talk, I do recommend reframing the conversation in the mirror and instead of letting yourself go down the rabbit hole and indulging in that like, oh, I look so bad. Oh, like I should do this. You know what? I'm going to join this, this Pilates studio and like having this spiral start. I do recommend cutting it off before it does start. And I, I say to do that by saying, nope. So it's like one, if, if, if you already get in front of a mirror and you're wearing the thing that you got to go, you got to go to the event, you can't stay home, you're going, you're wearing the dress, you got the dress, like you step in front of the mirror and you start to, to spiral, you cut yourself off and you say, I like my fucking shoes and you leave. And I think there's a lot more, there's a lot more opportunities to, to, to say affirmations. I don't necessarily subscribe to that, but I think that there can be really positive to, to say, I am worthy. I am good enough. Um, I am beautiful. So saying, saying those things to yourself before you leave the house can, can be good too. But I think getting in the practice of not allowing it's discipline, not allowing yourself to, to go down these rabbit holes that have absolutely no upside. Katie, now that you've built this community, this audience that's looking to you for body positivity and style inspiration, which you do so beautifully in many of your series that you have on your social media, such as Supersize the Look, where you will emulate down to the accessories and the pose looks that women such as like a Jessica Chastain or a Kate Middleton have worn to show that all sizes can wear it. I'm wondering when it comes to dressing the part of Katie Storino, which, you know, today includes being a top advocate, entrepreneur, and content creator. How do you approach that right now? Where are you at with that? I do. You know what? I will say that I feel, I do fall into a trap of needing something new to wear. I think that that's something that like I, I'll have, you know, my closet full of clothes and I'm like, but I need something new. Or um, sometimes I wear the first thing that comes in for a photo shoot, like, and then it's around and I wear it a couple times and then I, you know, I sell it or donate it. Um, so I think that there's, why am I going to the negative thing? I, I guess that, I guess because it's the pressure, the pressure of, of, of wanting to look inspirational and wanting to be fashionable, I guess, and and show my style. Now, if you see me at 7 a.m., like walking around my block with the dog, like I look insane. But I but I I guess I look insane because I usually do a combination of clothes that are on the floor. So it could be like a blazer with like a with, you know, sweatpant shorts and I'm and like socks and crocs. I'm back with the socks and crocs. I guess I was meant I was meant to carry that on. But um, yeah, there is a lot of pressure. And I think it's something that we don't talk about in the quote unquote influencer community because it's a problem no one wants to hear about. But there is this um, consumerism that like is perpetuated because you're like, well, I got to show them something new. And so I, I, I don't know that I've really embraced re-wearing things over and over on my feed, but I feel like it's something that hopefully will become more trendy soon. Restyling a dress, restyling a blazer. I don't even know if I'm answering your question, but I'm just, I'm letting you know that like what I, I guess some of the swirl of pressure that happens with that. No, you totally are. That's an honest and authentic response to having 
your style and you as a personality being so front and center and what kind of goes on behind the scenes with that. Although I will say, I totally know what you mean. And I think a lot of us do feel that with influencer and content creator culture, you do just see a lot of consumerism and gifting and therefore waste. But with you, I would give you a pass in that department because I feel like you are actually showing women of various shapes and sizes really great options and also liberating them from the idea that they can only wear certain things based upon their body size because of your ability to be adventurous and experimental. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> That's really kind of you. I have figured out how to navigate the world with my mentally with my body, but I am not, I am not, uh, I've got a lot of ways to go in terms of being good enough and, and feeling like it's enough with work. You're constantly working. I mean, you do so many different things on so many different channels on top of your mega bay business. So yeah, it's overwhelming just to look at. So Katie, your brand Mega Babe, which is a personal care and beauty company that might have been previously considered taboo, but really allow women to feel like their best selves and embody what it means to be a Mega Babe. And so I wonder, what does that mean to you? Like, how do you define Mega Babe for yourself and for right now? A Mega Babe is anyone and it's any age. It's more of a vibration of doing what you want, self-acceptance, not not necessarily a fuck it attitude, but like more of a not caring about like the the bigger judgments that come from people, I think. Just the word mega, we were speaking earlier about the power of words, you know, I was grand might have not been the best word for a size, but mega as it comes to a brand name does have that like positive connotation as it pertains to size about it, as opposed to something being like XXL or feeling stigmatized, being mega, being a mega babe feels like a confidence with taking up space and being yourself, which really transcends the physical body. It really is a spirit, right? Yes. It's that vibe you put out. I mean, our, our chafe stick it's fi it's finally getting warm here in New York. And like, that's a product. It's interesting because that's a product that I need to leave the house with. Um, it's not even, it's a, it's like a, it's a physical comfort thing that I, I need to have it because if I would get thigh chafe out on the road without it, it would ruin my day. So I don't know where I was going with that. Just to tell you that like, yeah, there are certain things that you need to feel complete with. Yeah. No, I feel that that's part of the reason why I was saying I love bike shorts so much is because they prevent my thighs from chafing and regular schmegular shorts, I, I find can be uncomfortable in that department. And regardless of your body's size, we're all built differently. My thighs happen to touch. I don't have a thigh gap and that's okay. And I think it's so brilliant that you're addressing that in a way that's kind of sexy and kind of fun and playful. Why not? Who's to say that like thighs touching isn't really cute? <laughs> yes, that's isn't that such an interesting misconception that like I mean that's when I started Mega Babe people were like, "Oh, it's a it's a problem only for plus size women. It's not a thing." I'm like, "It certainly is not just a plus size woman problem. It's just a, someone with bodies with your thighs rubbed together like and then also the added, the added, ugh, just the shitty concept that people are like, well, like thigh gap, thigh gap. Like if you, if you don't have a thigh gap, um, then you're doing it wrong. And I just, I just despise that way of thinking. Okay, Katie, let's talk shopping because you have really made shopping a very social activity. Also, you've put the activism in shopping. I love how you call attention to just how many brands either don't offer a full size range by your hashtag make my size series on your Instagram or, and I would argue maybe even worse, 
claim to have a larger size range or extended size range. And then you go to the store and it's just not there. I have to tell you, um, unfortunately, I still can't shop in person. And I thought that I could. And I think last year I did like a trip to Soho and I filmed it. And I went into nine or 10 stores and only one of them had something I could even try on. And that was so disappointing because I, I just I just had assumed because I had I am I'm, I'm always getting things online that are being sent to me. So I just assumed that maybe the physical world out there actually was changed, but it just it wasn't. And that was so disappointing to me. So, yeah, I'm an online shopper mostly because I have to be. I would like to go in a store. It would save me so much time of like you know, you see, you, it's so different when you see something, you touch it and you're like, I don't even like this. So glad I didn't order it. But, um, I don't have that luxury and and neither do most women in North America. Are there any brands these days that are understanding the assignment that are catering to this very large clientele? And I say large, meaning a huge sector of the population falls into this category. Seems like an obvious business move. Are any brands really addressing it? And you think, well? Well, I think that universal standard, I think they get overlooked sometimes. Um, It's not, they don't have my fun vibe, but they have great basics and they are fully size inclusive with the range going down and up. I also find that... I, I did. I worked with Athleta last year and I was so impressed with the way that they rolled out extended sizes in store and like different sized mannequins. That was that was really great. And oh, God, I'm like searching in my brain for in-store stuff. Oh, I really like Rachel Antonoff right now because she makes really fun printed stuff that I think is hard to find. And plus, uh, I wear a lot of J. Crew has really improved their extended sizes. So has Madewell. I'm looking around my apartment right now, but I think that those good American, there we go. Good American. Uh, they, they've done it right from the start and love it or hate it. They make a great gene. So Katie on have some style. I really want to bring forth this idea that having style isn't just what you wear or what you post on social media. It really is like a way of life that informs so many different areas. And one of the biggest ones is your home. Having your home really reflect your personal style and who you are on the inside in that inner world. You do this very well in terms of your personal style, the way you dress and your home decor sense are very aligned, bright, colorful, fun, irreverent. Tell me a bit about that. Yes. Um, And that's really, that's complicated because Interior design is not clothing. It's different. And interior designers do not want you to do certain things. And I, I break those rules. I, I mean, in my, in my one bedroom apartment, I have five different patterns just visible in to the eye here. And they, they, they want you to have, they want you to bring in color with like little pops and not necessarily have it be the whole story. And I don't, I don't listen to the people. So that has, that has gotten me, I think, um, not in design trouble, but like it's made it hard to work with other people to, to, to design my spaces. And then I end up kind of doing it myself, which I'm, I'm, I don't even think I'm someone who's good at interior design. It's just, I know what I, I know what I want it to feel like. Can I just dispel a commonly held myth for one second about this whole pop of color thing? I think that's actually the wrong approach. I think like a pop of color, be it a pillow or an accent wall is the wrong way to go in also as it pertains to what you wear you want to fully commit to an idea and also like it's the same way with wearing print if you're just wearing like a printed top and the rest of your look is completely solid it's it's not cohesive it's much better to wear print head to toe it's much better to wear a bright color head to toe it's much what better to wear neutrals head to toe it's like come up with a concept something that you love and be cohesive and committed, right? 
Yes. Yes. And I, I really like, it's the same thing like in, in Palm beach in my bedroom, it's printed wallpaper that matches printed curtains. And I love the way I feel when I walk in there. Most people would probably say that that is too busy and not the right vibe for a relaxing room, but that's not how I feel. And we're all different. We all crave different things. We all have idiosyncrasies about ourselves that should be expressed, not stifled. We shouldn't conform. We should elaborate on who we are in all areas, I believe. Thank you. I'll take that. Okay, Katie, let's wrap this up with a round of rapid fire all about your style. Are you ready? I love rapid fire. Whose style inspires you currently? It's God, I should have had a more rapid answer. Giovanna Battaglia. I know how much you love her. It's the only person I was I was gonna bring. <laughs> I was gonna I was going to say it. And then I was like, Giovanna, but she's pregnant and like, you know, but still her maternity style is so cool. Um, yeah, I still think she's just, she's my number one. For those who don't know, Giovanna Battaglia is this exquisite Italian stylist, goddess, glamazon in every sense of the word. Who would you love to style? If I could style two people, it would be Rebel Wilson because I think that she has been she's been put through the Hollywood machine and she has lost her sense of style and I I would love to style her. And then the second person I'd love to style is Meghan Markle because that woman has access to anything in the entire world. And I don't know if she does it intentionally because she doesn't want it to be about her clothes, but she's still going to wear clothes. She's, I just, I would love to style her. What would be your approach with Meghan Markle? I have to know. How would you actually style her? Oh, God, I would give her, fine, we can wear camel and navy. We can stay neutral. But like, just even like, even the fit sometimes of her, of her clothing is not right. And I, I, I just want her to look more... And she's wearing fancy clothes. Like it's not like she's wearing things that are that are not that are cheap. It's just it's wrong. It's it's wrong a lot of the time. I never get to say that, but we're on a fashion podcast, so I get to say it. So who comes to you most for style advice? Oh, the the DMs. I feel like that's what my friends don't ask me about clothes. Um it's it's strangers. And I love talking to strangers about their clothes. I get a DM like I'm going to a wedding this weekend. Like, should I wear this or this? And I love having an opinion. I think it's fun. What's a style mantra you live by? I live, you know what it is? I think if you're going to invest in, I think investing in patterns, I don't know how to say this, but like the, the cheap Zara print is like, get it, get the basic from Zara and then get the, get the print from somewhere fancy. Cause I think people have the opposite motto usually what's a fashion rule you love to break all of them (laughs) what's the difference between fashion and style i'll tell you what the difference is is right now we are in a fashion moment y2k dressing is not stylish it's i can't i can't believe that this dumpster fire of a moment is back and like the Ed Hardy hats, the low rise jeans, the like whale tail pants. This was meant to be a mistake that we never revisited. So the fact that like fashionable people are wearing these trends, fine, I get it, you're on trend, but it's not stylish. It's hard when you've done it the first time around as well. <laughs> What's one thing that is not your style? Oh God, I hate low rise jeans. Um I just will never go back to a low rise jean. I I also I hate a cap sleeve dress. The worst. Oh my god. Yeah. Yes. Bridesmaid. Ugh. I don't know who is sitting ever in a design room being like, make it a cap sleeve. It's and the shoulder is a really nice part of the woman. Sometimes you want to show your shoulder, like, but not sh- cover the shoulder. Show that. What what is or that? Yeah, let's let's draw in a diagonal line right across like the meat of your bicep. 
No, not cute. <laughs> I don't like it either. Very bridesmaid. Yeah. What's one thing in your wardrobe that best represents your style? My Veronica beard leopard suit. I wore it for my wedding. Um, I wore it for my uh, dinner, my wedding dinner. At Ralph Lauren's polo bar, right? I remember seeing photos of that. So chic. Such an iconic New York moment. Thank you. And I loved that that was your wedding dinner, but that was so you. You weren't the conventional bride. You were Katie Storino as a bride on her wedding day. I just, that look is embedded in my brain. Well done, bravo. What do you hope your style communicates about you to the world? That I'm fun and creative and comfortable. And then in parentheses, in my own skin. Well, Katie, thank you so much for being here and sharing all of your wisdom. That was such a oh, thank you. wonderful conversation. Thank I learned you. so much. Everyone, make sure you check out Katie at Katie Strino on Instagram. Pick up her book, Body Talk. Pick up all things Mega Babe. And let's continue the conversation. If you liked this episode, please share it with everyone you know who could use a boost of confidence and leave your comments below and your questions and let us know what you thought of this and who you'd like to see next uh, me have a conversation with on Have Some Style. Until next time, take care. Thank you so much for tuning in to Have Some Style. This is a podcast that I've really wanted to get off the ground for a while now to really bring my experience as a fashion journalist and style expert to the forefront and engage in conversations that I think could be very, very helpful. I have a lot of amazing content and guests to come. So if you liked what you were hearing, I would be ever so grateful if you might be so kind to give me a five-star rating and review this podcast so that more people could be aware of the conversations that we're trying to have around personal style and how important that is and how we can all really help each other. And if you'd like to keep this conversation with me going, be sure to follow me on Instagram at Moshe Lundstrom and on TikTok at Friend in Fashion, which are both linked below in the episode notes. You can also find more tips, tricks, and fashion mantras on my social media, as well as my website, www.moshalundstrom.com, where you'll be kept up to date on future videos, plus segments that I do on TV and radio, on CityLine, on CBC, on NPR. As a fashion journalist and style expert, I also write for Vogue.com, Scandinavian Vogue, and a number of other publications. I'll, be, I'll share my work there. And lastly, uh, I'm an entrepreneur. I actually have a family business called Thermakota, where we make beautiful, sustainable shearling coats and home decor inspired by our Scandinavian roots and love of the seasons. And it really is an extension of my personal style as well. So if you'd like to check that out, that's also linked below. But until next time, whatever you do, don't forget to have some style. Thank you so much.